Welcome back to another edition of American Scouser Podcast. It's Gordon, and I'll be your host tonight as Timujin Hooch and I look ahead to Liverpool's Champions League picture tomorrow against Barcelona. Uh, boys, after a pretty emphatic win over the weekend, how are you guys feeling about this one? Well, you guys know me. I'm always nervous, but uh, it's what I do. So, I am I mean, semi-worried. It's kind of like a tough away game. Uh, I guess my main concern is, apart from the game in Munich, we haven't done great in terms of like playing away in the Champions League. But at the same time, I think the team is in a lot better groove. And I think we can score over there, which is probably like the biggest thing. It's just a matter of, you know... Stopping that little Argentinian dude. Uh, apart from that, I- I'm pretty optimistic, really. I think we can get a good score over there. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I think um, coming off the weekend with a 5-0 victory is a positive way to go forward. Had we had to squeak out like a 2-0 or 1-0 and not look great, might be a little bit more nerve-wracking. But the fact that we were just able to go um, put five pass Huddersfield, which, you know, it's they're the worst team in the league, but still being able to do what we should be able to do against a team like that uh, gives us a good confidence going into tomorrow. Like Tim said, if we can um, get a goal or two, you know, the away goal is huge. I'm going to be huge coming back to Anfield with that away goal in our pocket. Um, but, yeah, the way the team's firing on all cylinders right now, I, I'm pretty confident we can get a fairly decent result tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I really think that they, the away goal is, is crucial. Um, I mean, even if we go down 2-1, just having that in, in our pockets going back to Anfield would definitely be um, what we're looking for. Especially this season, Barcelona has been fantastic uh, home and away in the Champions League, but they've been um, considerably better at scoring and, and shutting teams out at home. Um, I've got – they had uh, PSV Eindhoven, Tottenham, and Inter Milan in their groups. And I think they only gave up one home goal, and that was against Tottenham. Um, they obviously either won or tied every one of those games in their group stage, um, but they had some pretty pretty big victories. Um, obviously, they beat United both home and away, um, and blanked them. And then they beat Lyon five uh, one in the round of uh, sixteen. So um, the new camp is obviously a terrible place to play. Terrifying. Um, it's got a lot of history. Fans are always up to it. Um, it's kind of a, um, I don't want to say hostile environment, um, but maybe when you're playing there, it's a little bit hostile. Um, so I, I definitely think that the main goal is just to get a goal. Um, do you guys have any insight on how Barcelona has been doing this year in the Champions League? Anything that you guys have noticed um, or anything that you see that could be a potential roadblock for us as we go? Um, yeah, I think the one thing that we have to be concerned about is they like to run um, – they do this little play where they'll they'll have a striker at the top of the box and they'll play like a little one-two into him, where they'll give it to him. He'll pass it right back out to whoever passed it to him, and he makes a run behind the defense. They did it numerous times against uh, United, so I think it's 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 crucial that we keep a tight line that we don't let we don't play anybody on side, whether it's Messi, Suarez, Coutinho, whoever's making those runs in behind. Because that did seem like the one area where we kind of get. Uh, called out on against Chelsea was Hazard was able to make those runs like that. Um, so I just think if we could just keep, if Virgil can organize the defense, him and Allison, it would be huge uh, communication between them. We make sure our line stays tight and true and we don't play any of those guys on the side because if you give any of those 
guys from Barcelona, if you give them a chance, 1v1 versus the keeper is probably not going to turn out too, uh, too much in our favor. So I think it's just Agreed. paying attention, uh, keeping your line as true as you can, and just everybody has to be responsible for their guy. Uh, but other than that, should be a great matchup. That's just the one thing that I've noticed that might come back to haunt us is those little sneaky runs in behind that if you know, Rob or Trent, whoever's, you know, the, one of the fullbacks isn't all the way up and they play on one side, I mean, it could be a detrimental to our cause tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing, I mean, I, I guess this goes for any team, but especially a team like Barcelona, they don't like as much physical contact and kind of like a harassment, especially in midfield. They want to be able to move that ball around and – in Spain, actually, I mean, especially when they're home, a lot of teams kind of like let them do that, kind of like play tight and uh, kind of like take their chances that way. But I think, and that's why I'm guessing tomorrow we'll have a pretty physical midfield there with like Fab, Hando, and probably going to be, I'm assuming, like Milner or Genie uh, to kind of like harass them before the ball gets there or after the ball is released. Kind of be a bit more physical with them. I mean, the team has a ton of talent, and I think that's like the biggest thing. Like for even over the weekend, every game we have like a little slot of like five to ten minutes where the focus kind of goes away, the concentration. Like the Huddersfield game, it happened because I think we were, we were really shocked with how easy and early the goal came. So within those ten minutes, and but that was Huddersfield. That's like Barcelona is a team that, that you cannot afford to do that against because, like who says. They got so many guys that can hurt you, so many good finishers on that team that you cannot take that chance and have a lapse in focus. But I think if we're physical with them um, and kind of like harass them, especially like on defense, like those guys want are used to having their space and time because not a lot of teams go at them or press them. Uh, so if we can do our like pressing style, starting from like, you know, with Firmino front, I think think we can kind of like disrupt their defense and I'm hoping that's how we kind of get our goal is by winning those balls you know as they're trying to build play but um, I think that's the key being physical with these guys and I mean you can only kind of like hope that you know you can kind of contain what Messi does and stuff like that like being physical with them um, but key thing is getting a goal out there and I think we will get that goal uh, like Godin said they don't let a lot of goals at home, but I think that's partially because not a lot of teams press them at home. Because I think people, you know, most teams, especially in the Spanish league, even in the Champions League, in the group stages, most teams are kind of afraid to go at them because they can't really hurt you in the back. But I think we have enough confidence in our back four to be able to press and hope that they can handle people one on one if needed. Yeah, that's a, that was exactly one of the, the next points I wanted to make was um, they really don't like to be pressured inside. Um, and obviously they get a lot of respect, especially at home um, in the league, Champions League, um, and in the Spanish Cup competitions. Um, but do you guys think that to have that physical midfield, um, we would prefer to go more defensive or more attack pushing? Um, somebody like Navi um, is definitely tenacious on the ball. He adds something, a little bit of fire forward. Um, he's not afraid to get stuck in, but at the same time, he is more of an offensive player. Um, somebody like Milner is going to give you um, more solidity at the back, and sweep across, pick anything up that Fabinho misses, um, and sniff, sniff stuff out, and he can even drop back in the center back. Would you guys feel more comfortable if we pressed them higher up or if we pressed them closer to our own 18-yard uh, box? 
I'm not think from the get if we can press them um, and try to keep the pressure off our defense would be our best bet. If we just sit back and allow them to um, just allow them possession, allow them to come at us and hope that we can get them on the counter, that's going to allow them and the crowd to get into the game. Um, I think if we could just keep the pressure on them and make them play out of the back and with those balls over the top that they'd have to play out between Virgil, Fabinho, whoever else is in midfield, you know, if we can win that midfield battle with the balls in the air, I think it would be a huge advantage to us to be able to do that. And um, like you said, you know, Kaida might be a good player to have in there to maybe keep the pressure on them a little bit as opposed to if you have even Fabinho, uh, Hendo, and Genie, it's more of a defensive midfield. But it might not be bad if you start Fab and Hendo in there and then you like Kaida kind of be a roamer a rover in that midfield to kind of pick balls up, make runs, and uh, get the play going forward. See, I think that's why I go happy medium. Uh, instead of, like, you know, Milner or Kaita, I go Genie. Uh, a player who can kind of do both. I mean, he's good on the ball, uh, but definitely better defensively than Kaita as well. Uh, and I think you have to have Fab and Hendo out there. Fab, I mean, for physicality, and Henderson can kind of, like, be you know that box to box guy that can kind of do both and kind of like keep the calm in midfield as well. So I would say you know Fabinho, Henderson, and G in midfield. Milner is definitely a better defensive presence, but I kind of worry about speed. I know when we played PSG, for example, sometimes our midfield got exposed, uh, and obviously Barcelona has a lot of speed on the field. So. Uh, I think Milner comes in to relieve one of those guys, whoever gets tired with all that constant pressure and chasing that we do uh, against Barcelona. But, I mean, ideally, if everyone is fine, especially Fabinho, and I'm assuming he is, I think he was rested for this in some ways. And obviously he had that, like, you know, mini concussion thing going. Uh, so I think the ideal trio would be Fab, Hando, and Genie in the middle. Now with along those same lines, uh, I know there's been some talk about Firmino. You guys think we'll see him tomorrow, or you think that he sits out? And if he does sit out, um, how does that affect us? Obviously, he's been um, pretty influential for us in the last couple of years. Um, the work rate that he gives on and off the ball is unmatched by any forward that you're going to find in the game. Um, what does his uncertainty uh, to be fit do to our team? Oh, kills us, man. I mean, that's one guy I really feel like we cannot replace. And we've tried, and it has not worked. Um, and that's one thing I think in the offseason is something that we have to figure out. we got to be able to replace what he brings on the field. And obviously, it's easier said than done because the guy does so much. But, I mean, if we're talking about, like, this pressing from the front and stuff like that, you have to have him out there. And I think, I mean, he did practice, so I had the feeling he is going to be out there. And it's not like, you know, you kind of like rest or, I mean, this is kind of like that time of the year. I think you have to put him out there. What is the worst case scenario? Uh, he might not be able to like finish the game, I guess. But I think it's a lot riskier. You definitely don't want storage out there, uh, especially, you know, after this weekend and everything too. Uh, and I really don't see how we can replace him. That's somebody that we have to groom into that position over time. I think he's the only one that kind of, gets that sense of where to be when we're on the ball, when we're off the ball. So I think he plays tomorrow um, 
or I, maybe I'm hoping he plays tomorrow. But he did practice today, so you would think he'll be able to go tomorrow unless after practice he has some issues. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, gonna say uh, doing some research for my preview article I'm going to post later tonight, uh, he was able to make it through a full day of training. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can give us even at 65, 70 minutes. Uh, you just have to worry about if you start him, though, and he, he has to come off early, you know, because a groin injury is a tough thing to be able to manage, especially with how, like, what they ask him to do. Uh, so it's one of those things that you risk playing him and then have to have an early sub on. And at that point, I guess you'd have to, like you said, uh, Tim, you can't put Sturridge out there because he's not going to run. I mean, he's pretty much uh, uh, not a waste of his shirt at this point, but for what you would have to ask, you'd probably have to put a Riggy out there, if not for me, you know, and just hope that a Riggy just has the adrenaline and just, you know, he would take his shot um, in a situation like this where he would just run through brick walls like Firmino would. But uh, best case scenario, Firmino is able to give us a solid 70, 75 minutes tomorrow. And uh, just get us through to the weekend, and then he can be reevaluated after the fact. But I think if he's, even if he's eighty percent, you have to put him out there. There's four or five matches left, depending on how this uh, two-legged tie goes in the semifinals. So at this point, everybody has knocks, everybody has bumps and bruises. It's just with that groin injury, it's a tough thing to gauge. I think it's just how much of a, how much of a, a pain that Firmino can play through, but. I haven't seen anything that's going to say that he's soft, that he's not going to be able to – if he's able to go, he's going to go. If it's up to him, I think he'll, we'll see him out there. And I think yeah, I I'm in 100% agree. I'm sorry. I, I think I would rather have him start than, you know, try to put him in later or something like that. I'd rather have him start so we have a more solid start to the game. And then, you know, if he's not 100%, you do sub him, either bring maybe Oxen at the time or, you know, like Shaq or Origi or somebody like that in the 60th minute or something like that. But I think I would, if he is fit enough, I would at least have him start and see how many minutes he can give us. If he feels like it's going soft, then you do the substitution. But I would rather really have him out there because I think he's key to what we do in terms of defense. And I think it'd be easier for him to start as well as opposed to going through warm-ups then having to sit on a bench and cool off and then having to warm up again. I think, you know, with that muscle injury, if he goes for a full warm up and he stays warm, just throw him out there straight on and I'll let's see what he can do. Yeah, I think he offers us too much um, and he sets, he'll set that tempo nice and high for us so that if he does actually have to go off and he's not 90, 90 minutes fit, um, I actually think that we'll probably see a complete change of shape uh, he does for us in the league. I just don't think that this is a game that we can afford to put him out there. I think that's he'd just be a waste of a jersey. I actually think that if Firmino does go out and we only get 60, 75 minutes, I think uh, Klopp will look for an entire um, formation change. And and like uh, you were saying, too much and just kind of Shaq or somebody other, just giving us five in the midfield um, and two up top and letting Monty and Salah kind of have their way with, with the center backs. And one of the the aging backs, obviously he's he's one of the the game and he has been for some some time. But I really think that putting three up against them um, with the the speed and also the understanding that the three of them have between them, I think is is going to cause them a lot of problems. Um, that being said, how do you guys? Uh, this is always something that that my dad and I talk about uh, before two legged ties. Would you rather start away or would you rather start at home? Uh, it's I think it's probably one of the harder coin flips to, to choose. 
I would say away. I think playing away, especially for a team like Liverpool. I mean, I grew up and I still am a Fenerbahce fan in Turkey. And when your team has such a huge home field advantage when they play home, I always feel like you go out there to the away game, get the best score you can to kind of like get you to finish it off in the home game, especially with the away goals and stuff like that. Till that rule changes, I think you go there, any score, when you have such a huge home advantage like Anfield is, for example, and how we play at home, I think unless, you know, you get demolished 5-0 or something like that, you come home and you say, we can do this. You know, even if you lose, let's say, I don't know, 3-1, 2-0 or something like that, we come home and say, hey, we can still do this. Uh, whereas, you know, home, I, I thought, you know, the Bayern matchup was kind of hard, you know, when it was, even though it was 0-0, going over there is always tougher because you're going to a tough away uh, game. But, I mean, I personally, when I see the draws, I always wants my team to be playing the first game away. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree with that, especially uh, <clears throat> in a big match like this. I think it's easier to be the away team because, you know, the Camp News holds 100,000 people. So they're going to they're gonna want Barcelona to come out firing on all cylinders. And if they don't, I think it's uh, they kind of get restless. Whereas an away team, it's easier for you to sit back kind of get a foothold in the game and not being pressured by your fans to go out and put on a show for them. And then, like, you know, Tim said, coming back home, you know exactly what you have to do. If you can still, you know, if you get if you lose one nothing, 2 nothing, well, then, I mean, we're more than capable at home, especially a place like Anfield, to be able to score two, three goals, maybe even four if need be. Whereas opposed to if you go on the road, if you're at home first and you lose that home leg, 2 nothing or 3-1, to one, then you have to go on the road and look of, shit, now we need four away goals to – get a result, I think that's harder. So I like being on the road first. I let the opposing office, let the opposing team have the pressure on them in front of their home fans to come out and put on a show for the home fans. And you just sit back, you get a foothold in the game out of the first 15, 20 minutes, and then you play your game. And then you come back to Anfield, and then you know exactly what you have to do to be able to advance. Yeah, I think you, you sort of saw that, too, against Porto. I mean, even though we were up, uh, two nothing at the end of that one. There was still that uh, sense of unsureness about us. Uh, was two nothing enough? Um, Porto is also a tough place to play. The fans uh, are really close to the field. They they like to yell at you. They really it's a cauldron inside there. So even at two nothing, it felt you know I, I think anybody else might have been pretty comfortable at two nothing, but um, we still weren't. I still could see that there was a little bit of uh, tentativeness about us. So I, I would tend to agree that, that starting away is probably better, especially um, the later stages of the Champions League and, and when you have to visit somebody like Barcelona. Um, but they can be beat. Um, some of them, they've been, they've been beaten by uh, much lesser sides. Actually, um, not too long ago, about 10 days ago, they tied to the team in dead last. I don't know the lineups or anything like that, but uh, I was just kind of checking to see their, their form, and that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, obviously they've kind of rolled over La Liga this year. I think that affects anything. Do you think they're, they're immense form at home and they really haven't been challenged this year by Real Madrid? Do you think that has, will have anything to do in their minds? 
Uh, I mean, I think that's one advantage those teams have, isn't it, in some ways. I think you can, you know, rest players. Obviously, it doesn't... I guess you can make a case for both. I mean, you you have a chance to, like, rest players and stuff like that. But then you look at PSG, where they cannot switch the gear from playing an easy league back to the Champions League and competing with the top teams. Um, I don't put as much stock in their, like, you know, league form right now, just because even though, you know, they pretty much had, you know, everybody out there, um, I mean, those teams are able to use it to try certain things, get ready for their next game. They already have like kind of like one eye in the Champions League game, whereas, you know, we couldn't afford to do that against Huddersfield. We had to get the three points. So you do almost have to go a game at a time, whereas they're able to kind of, you know, space things out and look ahead, maybe try out different things that they're going to use in the next game and things like that. But I don't think their form necessarily kind of like will translate in the Champions League. If anything, I mean, they did still play a game. It's not like, you know, like they benched everybody or anything like that. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's their experience enough. And I think we're there now where it's a totally different ball game. I mean, you kind of do the league, then you come and do this Champions League thing kind of deal. It's almost like a different job. And they realize it's like a different scene, different scenario, different opposition they're playing against, and different level of opposition they're playing against. And I think it's a team, because of their experience, they're going to play up to the level of their opposition too. So, I don't know. Like I say, personally, I don't put a lot of stock in what teams do before their Champions League game. Or right after. Those are the two games that always gets affected, especially um, if you if you're in a tough league. Oh uh, yeah, I agree with Tim. It's hard uh, when you're like a team like Barcelona who has a league basically won this year with Madrid's drop in form. Uh, it's hard to get up for every match, and it's hard, you know, just human nature not to have you not know, to look ahead toward the Champions League against Liverpool when you're playing a team at, at the bottom of your table. Um, but I think, you know, they'll be up for it. Um, they, they're in this position, it seems like, every year, if not every other year. Um, Messi's been there before. Suarez has been there before. Um, just that team in general, they know how to, they know when to turn it on when the lights come on. Uh, they're primetime players. But like Tim said, Liverpool's in that position now, too, where, you know, we've done, we made this run last year, and, we're back this year battling for the uh, league title and the Champions League. So we're like that on two fronts. Uh, it's a little bit different with us because every game for us seems like a cup final. We're hanging on every play and every goal. So maybe Liverpool's a little bit more dialed in because um, ha- they have to play with an intensity week in and week out where Barcelona can kind of take a little bit of time off here and there and not be as sharp. Uh, whether that translates to the tomorrow, I doubt it. Because like I said, PS or, uh Barcelona is almost like a machine at this point. Um, they just they know how to play when uh when the lights come on. So I just it's up to Liverpool to match that intensity and which I think they will. I don't think they'll be intimidated by the atmosphere or anything like that. I think they've seen everything. Um, with them being to the Champions League final last year, um, almost like a year or two ahead of schedule. Um, and they 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 handled it fine. They without Salah getting injured. I mean that's a you know different argument, but they matched Madrid. Basically, um, they weren't outclassed by them, so I don't see any reason why they would go to uh, Barcelona tomorrow and just have and be in awe. I think they're they're just as capable as any other team in the world right now to go in there and get a result uh, based on how they've been playing. 
I think uh, one of the biggest points that I took away from just kind of taking a gander at uh, at the results was they only beat United three nothing at home, and Everton beat United four nothing. <laughs> so I have I have a feeling that bodes well for us <laughs> that they couldn't put more past United, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> The, uh, the final point I have for us tonight is uh, probably the elephant in the room, um, Coutinho. Um, obviously, he's been spoken about quite a lot in the papers. Um, almost everything I've seen coming through uh, has some mention of Coutinho or what Klopp has said about him or what the fans are, the reception is going to get or something like that. Um, one thing that is uh, completely obvious is that his form has not been good since he made his move over to the new camp. Um, there's only one player, despite his form, there's only one player that's played more games in him this year, and that's Ter Stegen, their, their goalkeeper. Um, but still, he's got 33 games under him uh, with only five goals and two assists. Are you guys worried that maybe this is where he, he comes and shows his old face, um, just being up to the, the uh, task of facing an old team? No, I'm not concerned about him at all. Um, I think he's in his own head. Like he scored that goal against United, and he did that little the eyes closed and plug in the ears, and you didn't know whether it was to the United fans, like he didn't hear the booze, and then it turned, you know, then he realized it was at the Barcelona fans, like he's tuning them out. So whether his head's there or not, um, I, I think a lot of it. I mean, he's going to be coddled at home. I think the Big, um, the the big decision or whatever you want to call it is next week when he comes to Anfield, and he has sixty thousand people booing him every chance that they get every time he touches the ball. And the fact that I don't think they'll give that reaction to Suarez, um, just based on how both players left. I think if they're on Coutinho and they don't give that. Same reaction as Suarez. You know, not that they're going to cheer Suarez, but, you know, they don't boom every time he touches the ball. I think that's what will get in Coutinho's head because he likes to be coddled. He likes to have an arm draped around him. Um, so I think he'll be fine tomorrow, but I think it's next week whenever he has to come to Anfield and face his critics and face that crowd and face the cops and he's just getting booed mercifully and mercilessly. And maybe they, you know, I doubt they'll have like the derogatory chance about him. That's why um, Liverpool's way, but you know, just. He'll be fine at home when he has 100,000 people on his side. It's just next week whenever he has 60,000 people going against him. And whether I don't, I don't, I can't see him being able to play through that. That's just my opinion. Just from what he's shown, he doesn't, he doesn't do well in the face of adversity. Um, and I'd love nothing more for, you know, if he gets it, maybe you, you follow him hard in the beginning of the match. Nothing dirty, but just a, hey, like, you know, we're here, you know, whether Genie or if a Tendo comes crashing through him and just say, hey, like, you were on our, you know, you were a teammate, but you're not anymore. We're not going to do any favors. And I think if you can get be physical with him early and knock him off his game, I think that can get into his head, too. Because I think he's going to want to go out to prove a point. If you can't do that early in the match, um, I think that's just going to play with his emotions and play with his head going forward. And uh, I just think it'll, it might translate over to the next match. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he doesn't even get to start next week at Anfield if he has a poor showing this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously he'll come out, you know, trying to prove a point. 
And, I mean, he's probably been trying to prove that point for a while just for the Barcelona fans, really, that that money was worth it. But, I mean, I used to love him as a player in Liverpool. I mean, the way he left is probably going to not serve him well when he comes to Anfield, I would think. I mean, I've been reading, like, both sides of the story online and, you know, oh, he's one of us, he was one of us, blah, blah, blah. But what he left, you know, he just left you high and dry, really, and especially the way he left. Um but, I mean, it's definitely a player to be worried about. I mean, they have a lot of good players, obviously. I mean, it is Barcelona, and he is one of them. He's one of those guys. I and mean, that's the thing with Barcelona. They're all dangerous, so you cannot focus on somebody and leave somebody else open. You would think our familiarity with him uh, will help us defend them better. I mean, most of these guys have been going against them at practice. Uh, so, I mean, you know tendencies and things like that of players when you play against them day in and day out. So I'm hoping that will kind of like help us defend them. Um, I mean, I'm not specifically worried about Coutinho. I am kind of like worried about the, uh, it would really suck if he's the one who scores against us a crucial goal, especially in Champions League against us. But in terms of when you look at the players and people that I would be worried about, I mean, he's not even in the top three, to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you. I just don't think, uh, I think that um, he's not in his, his form. I really do think he's in his own head, like Pooch said. Um, and I think that his celebration when he did score against United was towards his own fans. And I, I, don't, I just don't think that he was the player that he should have been um, when he left. And I do think that the way that he left is is probably going to get him into a little bit of hot water. And, and I don't think that he has the mind power at this point to pull himself out of that. So um, I myself am not worried about him. Um, but he does still, he can provide that threat and take a little bit of um, space and man marking away from, from big targets like Messi and Suarez. Obviously, the, the game is going to be played on the pitch, but... Um, you guys have any final closing thoughts for the game? Uh, anything that you guys want to add or something that we didn't go over now that you'd like to bring up? Uh, in terms of a score prediction, I would say a 2-2 draw, which kind of works. Uh, it's something good to come home to. Uh, but I think we get our away goals. Uh, but I think they have too much firepower to, for us to totally shut them out, especially in you know at their home field so um one thing i want to talk about i don't know if you guys i mean this is totally totally off topic but uh i don't know if you guys watch today's game but like football as a sport has to come up with a better way to handle concussions uh the way i mean it was handled today where you know I don't know if you guys watched the game, but when they had that injury and, you know, when, uh, what's his name? Um, when Mertongen, like, kind of came out, even the fourth referee didn't want to let him back in because he just looked off. And they let the guy back on the field. He plays, like, 30 seconds, and he can barely stand on his way out. He almost collapsed, like, semi-throwing up and stuff like that. I mean, after what happened to Fabinho and the way, you know, it was handled then... The sport itself has to have a better way of kind of like monitoring how players are kind of monitored after something like that happens. I'm not just like throwing back out there. I know over the years, you know, how many players did you see that like just get their head bandages and get back out there? It was like, oh, tough guy and stuff like that. But 
I mean, just watching that today was scary. And a similar thing happened in the Fulham game over the weekend. It's, maybe it's because just like twice in one week, within like three, four days of like watching football. But the sport has to come up with a much better way. I don't know if it would be like a temporary substitution that you can get somebody in while this guy is getting evaluated. I know nobody wants to play for like, you know, with 10 guys, like 10 minutes. But they have to come up with a better way. Yeah, I, mean, I, I did watch the match today, and I mean, you can see when he the initial injury happened. I'm pretty sure he broke his nose. He he was pretty bloodied on the field. He laid there for a team four or five minutes, and you would think that would be in and of itself enough for the physios to be like, hey, like he can't go on if he's down that long. Um, and then you know, like you said, the fourth official was saying, hey, like I don't think he's fit to go in. The ref didn't want him to go back in. Um, and then like Tim said, like. To watch him come off the field and almost collapse, and he wasn't there. I mean, it was scary. You didn't know if he was going to fully collapse or – but to be help taken off, he never should have been in that position in the first place because what <clears throat> what happens if he goes back in and there's a ball played into the box or whatever, and he takes another hit to the head right after that? And, I mean, then you're looking at all types of uh, catastrophe that could happen. So I don't know if they have to come up with a uniform. I'm sure they have a concussion test they do on the sidelines or whatnot, but they have to figure out a better way. Um, to be able to diagnose that because even just watching on TV, you could tell, you know, if the guy's laying on the pitch for four or five minutes, he's probably not all there because you could deal with a bloody nose or whatnot, on, you know, a gash, a cut. You could deal with that on the sidelines. But to even be able to get him off, to be able to walk him off the pitch, if it takes five minutes, there's no way he should be allowed to go back out in that condition. Yeah, especially when it's players' lives that we're talking about. And that's kind of where you have to take a step back. And I know there's a ton of money in it. and. And we love to, to wear our passion on our sleeves, but it is just a game. And it's for entertainment. And if players' lives are at stake, that's gotta be that's gotta be the first priority. I, I wanna say, now that we're talking about this, maybe five, six years ago, I think it was Tottenham. There was a, a goalie that went down, he got kicked in the head, he went down to stop a stop a shot on a breakaway, got hit in the head. There was really no protocol at that time in the Premier League. He got up, you know, the physios came on, kind of looked at him, gave him the once over, let him play. And, I mean, there was like half an hour left or something. It was visible that he was still up and he played the rest of the game. And, and then everybody was up in arms about it and then just kind of went away. And they, nobody thought of a protocol for it. But, I mean, now I'm definitely going to search this as soon as we get off this podcast and figure out exactly who it was. But I, I seem to remember something in the Premier League I mean, five years ago, but yeah, I can tell, I mean, even for the situation that happened at Cardiff over the weekend, um, it's just kind of how the physios themselves hand it. There's, there is no protocol. Um, and you don't like to see it because if there's no protocol that we don't know if the players that we're sending back on the field actually have some sort of concussion. And I mean, we've seen um, what's going on with the NFL right now and CTE and some of those guys just don't have the same lives after they retire and they age. Um, and these are heroes. These are guys that we, we claim to, to love. I mean, we buy their shirts. We have posters in our rooms. Our, our kids think they're, they're heroes. And, and then, all, you know, we're not thinking too much about after they're done. Um, so I, I do think it's really important. Um, I just don't know if the physio has a job come tomorrow. I mean, how did that guy say, yeah, he's good to go when – the fourth ref is like, no, man, this guy doesn't look right. And, you know, when the, the other ref came over, he basically, like, didn't evaluate him himself. 
And he kind of like looked at the bench. He's like, is he okay? You guys sure? Okay, I guess let him in. And then 30 seconds later, the guy almost collapses. I mean, what kind of a test that they do that the fourth ref can just tell just by looking at the guy, no, he's not there. He should not be in. That was the huge thing. The fans were kind of booing because he was not letting him come back in the game. And the physio is like, no, he's good. He's not good. His brain is not functioning, but he can be out there. I mean, I don't understand if that guy is going to have a job tomorrow or not. It's just something that they just have to watch a lot more carefully. And like you're saying, yeah, there's a lot of money at the end of the day. They have to be able to come up with a way where uh, they're evaluated a lot better. I mean, I know, you know, my daughters do refing uh, and like for youth soccer over here. And they go through training to evaluate like concussions and stuff. Uh, so, I mean, they pay attention to stuff, even headers, you know, they don't like, like the little kids head the ball, blah, blah, blah. So you would think at this very, very top level in the Champions League semifinal, there would be a lot more high level of kind of like tests done to see if these guys are good to go back out. I mean, uh, like Hooch is saying, what would happen if you went out for another header or whatever? He pretty much turned himself in and said, no, I'm not right. So what if he, you know, tried to keep going? I mean, like I say, just seeing him almost collapse as he's trying to come off the field and like semi-throwing up and stuff, that was extremely scary. Yeah, and even last year's Champions League final with Karius, I know the man did not help himself um, in the season prior to the, the game. Uh, and so you you wonder whether those errors that he made to, after he got that head injury in the final, you wonder whether they were you know just typical curious goals that he gave up, or whether the concussion actually has some significance and some plays some role in those decision making. Um, and I mean, essentially ruined his career at Anfield. I mean, he was never going to play another game for us, and he's not doing that well at Bishik this year. Um, so. I, you're you're playing with not only physical lives but the playing careers of these guys as well when you you don't have a protocol to take them off. Yeah, like I say, it was totally off topic. I know I kind of took us totally away from the Barcelona game, but that was like something throughout the day when I was watching, especially right after the watching the you know the Fulham game over the weekend. You know, watching this, and I was like, they got to do something a lot better, but. Hopefully, we won't have any of these issues. I thought, for example, we handled the Fabinho situation really well. Um, like, they didn't take a chance at all. If he wasn't 100, he just came right out, even though he had just gone in there two minutes ago. So let's hope, you know, obviously that helps the situation so he can actually start tomorrow. See how I brought us back to the Barcelona game? I have a little bow on it. Uh, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, I just I think tomorrow is going to be greatly entertaining. Um, I'm hoping for the best. I'm going to be on my edge of my seat. But I think if if you're a fan of football, if you're a fan of the, the how they call it the beautiful game, and you like attacking football and playmakers and watching the best players in the world, uh, tune in tomorrow because it's going to be an absolute barn burner. Um, I hope you come out on the the better side of it. But it's going to be a joy to watch, and I'm excited. I'm excited that I uh, I'm excited. That, the Liverpool get this chance to play against Barcelona because last year they, you know, we kind of not took the easy road out. I mean, we did beat City, but you know, we had uh, Porto who we dismantled, and we beat City pretty easily, and we beat uh, Roma, and we kind of got the 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 notion of hey, like we backdoored our way into the final last year. So I'm excited that this year that 
you know, we get to take on the big boys of world football. And it's just going to be a joy to watch tomorrow. It's going to be the, uh, you know, Suarez Suarez versus Sala versus Messi and two great, great historical clubs going at each other. And it's going to be a joy to watch not even tomorrow, but next week as well at Anfield. Yeah, my my final thoughts are are, are of the same vein. Actually, I'm going to go pretty optimistic here and say two or three one us i think we walk away i think the home team is going to be the louder louder fans as we exit the stadium i think they'll be more rambunctious as we leave um but liverpool are a european pounce again i don't think we walk in any stadium with any fear i think these boys are, are on a different level i think we finally believe that we belong in these competitions and champions league semi-final at the new camp that is that's where we belong. So I'm highly optimistic. We'll obviously have to see tomorrow, but uh, I think that we are going to surprise people in Barcelona. Um, hopefully the 11 that are playing on on the field for them um, the most, but we'll see. Uh, anything else before we end? Nope. Take your heart medicine and watch the game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It'd be hooked up to a defibrillator. <laughs> All right, with that, uh, we will hopefully watch with bated breath as Liverpool takes all three points and heads back to Anfield and and uh, looks to face Newcastle the weekend. Uh, I will talk to you guys later. And for now, Reds. Reds. Off the Reds.